Hello and welcome to Stories from the Crisp Drawer. This is Season 4, Episode 2, Rotten Apples and Sour Grapes. <laughs> Man, as things have uh, been interesting in the last seven days, it is uh, January 16th and we are talking about what's happened in the last week since, well, since Saturday last week with the outcome of the protests at Capitol Hill that turned into a security breach riot sort of thing. Um... I mean, I guess it was a riot in a way, and it was also it was more of a security breach in the long run because now we have information that there may have been protesters who sought to capture and potentially kill. Could I believe that? Could a few in that crowd have been that way? I could. I don't think it was a systemic, Mick, a systemic thing that was uh, not systemic. I guess I don't think the main goal of the co- of the group was to do it. I think uh, a a portion of them may have thought that way. I'm not 100% sure. We'll have to see what the FBI filings are. They've got about 47 uh, people wanted so far. That's including people they already have in their custody, but 47 people who will be charged as of right now. So that's a pretty big group of people. Um, Granted, knowing that it was uh, thousands of people there, that shows that the insiders were a very small minority, but a, kind of a dangerous minority. If they, if it only took a few of those people to consider breaking into the Capitol and the rest followed, that shows the herd mentality threat. So now, of course, upcoming this Wednesday is Joe Biden's inauguration, and because of what's happened at the Capitol building earlier uh, two weeks ago now, um... They have 20,000-plus National Guard deployed to Washington, D.C. to protect the inauguration. Do I think that's excessive? Yes. However, I think a show of force at this point might be necessary. I think the hand has been forced by these um, LARPers and, and jerks who did this. This is not a funny thing. thing. And uh, I really hope his inauguration goes off without a hitch, no crazies approach. It's just... It's calmly done. The day is over. He, the transition to power is done swiftly without problem. And I hope the National Guard, they're there, never have to use their equipment in a forceful way. So they're just pretty much there. I mean, the, it, there's the pictures of them sleeping on the Capitol floor, and I guess because they're at Ready State 1, they have to be immediately ready to move and fight. So, yeah. But at least they're in a large building that's, uh, you know, Marble floors sure aren't the best to sleep on, or granite floors, but heck, they're they're in a, an enclosed space, war- kept warm, food, water, bathrooms, relatively clean bathrooms everywhere. Could be considerably worse. That's actually, from what I've read from military people, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good little deployment. So again, I hope that goes up without a hitch. Um, it's sad that that has to be considered, and uh, a lot of the news has been referencing all the way back to. The Civil War, and are are we getting close to one in the United States? I don't know. It only takes extremists from both sides to consider fighting, and then leading and getting enough followers to follow them blindly. And I think, from what we know of, that there's only forty-seven people so far. The FBI is searching for so far. If that was enough, that is a dangerous position. That there are enough followers who believe in the this cult-like actions that are being done. And immediately following this, uh, well, preceding this, this week, we had Trump getting impeached for a second time in the House of Representatives, and now the Senate will decide what to go on to do. Although it looks like it will be the next Senate. It won't be Mitch McConnell's Senate. It will be the following. It will be the Democratic Senate. 
after January 20th that will decide if they're going to find him guilty, which means he'll be a post-president at that point, but he'll lose some of his presidency benefits from his president retirement benefits from it. So he'll go down in history as the first president to be impeached twice, and the first one also be found guilty in the Senate. Should have just, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, the first impeachment should be a joke because the frickin' press and the liberal media and the ex- the left wing of the Democratic Party spent all this time on Russiagate, which turned out to be next to nothing. And then this happens, the Capitol Hill riot. And, I mean, he, he was partially involved in that. He didn't say, he didn't really incite it as in, in like, saying violent things. But he said, let's go down there and, 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 you know, clap and clap for our politicians and blah, blah, blah. But people, there were already crowds there that were mad. And, of course, now there's new information about, like, Capitol tours happening the day before that has not happened since March of 2020 because of the COVID thing. And it's just like, it's becoming a weird conspiracy to a way. But do I think you should be punished for allowing it to get to that heat? Yes, I think I should. I think I do agree with that. He should have been out there in front of it way sooner. And, of course, like the fact that he rec- pre-recorded a response, but it only got released around the time when Joe Biden was about to give his, is not very presidential. He should have been in front of that in the first place. And we have news about the COVID front. Um, so, <laughs> in Alberta, um, health and like beauty and parlors and stuff like that, that's all back. Restaurants are still unknown till next week. Uh, 10 people in outdoor gatherings. Oh, great. Outdoor gatherings in uh, in the middle of winter. Yeah, that's that's going to be easy. Although it, it's interesting. It's like 10. That must be private gatherings on private property because obviously there's no problem for everyone to go down to Bonas Park or to places like that to rent skates and skate around. Uh, I don't... I, like, I, the longer this goes on, the more information we're going to eventually... People are going to dig up. And I hope that after this is all done, and I've said this many times, I really hope that we get a very good auditing of everything that happened and a public release of all records to get, did we do the right thing when COVID hit? Or did we bluster up and just screw everything up? And I really hope so. It just I hope that we get name like maybe not names named, but maybe just like in, like departments shamed for it, stuff like that. But in the vaccine trend, we have three vaccines. We have Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and we've got uh, Moderna. Pfizer's vaccine, which was the first one to market, is now only going to be deployed about 50% for the next two to three months, uh, potentially into March, because they are upgrading their primary factory in Europe, which is making them... (sighs) Which I understand the idea of, like, we have to slow down to do this retooling and fix-up so we can produce more faster. But it brings the point of, and I was just thinking, this there's a story here that this is hinting at that isn't being covered. Like, um, and this is pure speculation on my part. Was there, were they considering get building a new plant, and then they came across a ton of red tape from whatever country they're in or the EU, because um, they don't have any plants in North America anymore. Like we had one in Quebec that got shut down. So, 
is there like minimum wage things? Is there regulation things? Like what's stopping them from building more facilities around the world that allow them to quick have a quicker development and deployment of these vi- vaccines? And so, of course, because of that 50% drop-off, even though Moderna's apparently is way easier to scale up and way easier to store and transport, and as far as we know, AstraZeneca is closer to the Moderna formula than than the Pfizer one, it seems like everyone threw their eggs in Pfizer's basket first. So now it's like, we're not going to see general inoculation being done in Alberta until about summer. And of course, now with that information, 50% less, well, it'd be. All these time changes are happening. Happening, um, these timetables changing. I mean, they cut till fall, so if we're able to get a very good jump on the virus by September, October, when the temperatures start to cool down again this year, after spring and summer, um, and people start to be more indoors, will we be able to uh, get get a handle on this? Get to herd immunity levels, or will there just not be enough viruses, virus vaccines to go around. Um, it just seems bad. And then we've learned that through Operation Warp Speed, President Trump's uh, brilliant endeavor to speed the virus, the vaccination of, of the COVID-19 virus, that apparently municipalities, uh, well, the states and governments that were basically going to be handling the distribution of the vaccine wanted to start designing plans June, July, June and July of 2020, and Operation Warp Seed said, no, 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 don't worry about it, don't worry about it, we'll, we'll come to it later, and then in August they said, like, well, okay, we're hearing the vaccine's getting pretty close, we want to start getting a distribution, oh, no, no, apparently they didn't even start looking at distribution plants until the virus was already approved by the, C- the vaccine, sorry, was already approved by the CDC. If that's true, and r- it was reported on recent, so it makes me think it probably was mostly true, um, probably was very true to a degree, all those people who were holding up the decision should be fired and should be publicly shamed of. These were idiots who didn't want to give up power. power. And we know that we ha- we should do the same with the CDC on how they blocked private labs from building their own um, tests to diagnose that people had co- the coronavirus <coughs> and various other things. So we have all this information we need to look at that needs to be uh, approached, cleared, aired, um, again, audited for future pandemics. It just seems like, unfortunately, the personal politics that are happening today of police versus, like, left-wing, right-wing are taking over, and this is pretty much, like, this is a thing of, like, everyone's getting screwed by this virus. And it... And from what we're seeing, we're seeing right-wing governments or right-of-center governments consolidate power we're seeing less left of center governments consolidate power in a way to make sure that they are more important in the following time where everybody's losing freedoms no matter what no matter who's in charge unless they are somehow a libertarian government we're seeing ridiculously lockdowns which now we have evidence that lockdowns actually do not help they have the statistical anomaly of lockdowns is next to has next to no difference to voluntary um, precautions taken by people because the lockdowns happen and then people just gather in secret and then they get sick and spread it that way. People who aren't going to listen don't listen. People who listen to the lockdowns suffer. It's like the whole thing of uh, gun control. Well, the, pri- the legal gun owners can't own stuff, but the criminals can still go around it. I don't know why government thinks prohibition works. It's been proven time and time again. The war... 
the prohibition of something, the thing that you're trying to prohibit, <laughs> like, like make prohibitive to access and gain control of, always wins those fights because the people who are accessing them and doing that stuff don't give a crap most of the time. Now, will some of those people, like, let's say they do a party and then they, they didn't know they had it and they transfer the virus that they were carrying to grandpa and grandpa dies or grandma dies, will that freak a lot of people out and change a lot of things? Oh, it may change that group if they can prove it was through them. But there's, like, just so much bad work being done for this virus. Uh, of Just information being properly shared skepticism being just thrown to the side because government knows what's right. It's like, really? Really? Government knows what's right? Huh. I mean, they don't seem to ever know what's right until after what's happened has happened, and then they start realizing it. Like, government seems to exist only on hindsight as twenty twenty, and that's how they make their decisions. They don't preempt anything. And when they do, as soon as something happens that fits that exact mold, they throw that mold out and say, oh, we got to start from scratch, as was evident by the fact that many uh, governments had these pandemic policies, which then were thrown out when COVID hit. Policies that would have said, hey, this is how we approach this, which is starting out like as it's going on. Those policies were more often than not correct, but the government couldn't trust them. Like, this was too different. Also didn't help, but governments trusted despotic governments to tell them the truth. Like, why would anyone trust the Chinese communist government? about a virus. They said, oh, it's all it's all taken care of. And now the WHO is just starting to finally fight for getting access of information to Wuhan. Meanwhile, the, the trail is not only cold, it's burned and gone. You'll never find out where this virus came from. If it got leaked from the Wuhan uh, bio, bio laboratory, we'll never know. Highly unlikely, but, but enough, like, enough of what I've heard about the virus makes me think, eh... There might have been some human work on it at some point. I highly doubt this was a weaponized virus. I bet th if this was released from a lab, it was an accidental research virus that got out. Just speculation. I don't think that this was a made-for-a-weapon system. It's not effective enough. It's effective in how it's spread and connects, but it doesn't bring about high enough fatality rates to make me think it's weaponized. But we'll never know now. It's unless somebody, unless somehow time travelers are able to figure out that. So that's about all I'm going to say about those two things. Uh, now to more some funny stuff. Uh, was More not funny stuff, gaming and stuff like that. So we're in the NFL postseason. Boy, today we got two games. Tomorrow we got two games. Green Bay today. Uh, who's the night game? Um, Green Bay is the afternoon game. So we got the Packers against the Rams and the Bills and the Ravens. Really pulling for the Packers. Really pulling for the Bills. Like, geez, I, I, I like the Bills. Bills, uh, go for it. Granted, every team in the playoff bracket right now, I'd be happy with any of them getting in. Uh, and am I pulling for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? A little tiny bit more, but would I be shocked if he loses tomorrow night to Drew Brees? No. Would I be shocked if he wins? Not really. Be a little happier. Although I wouldn't mind Drew Brees if this is Drew's last year. For him... Getting a Super Bowl championship this year would be nice. So, no animosity to any team going in, playing. I hope they all do well. I do think tomorrow the Browns are going to have a hard time against the Kansas City Chiefs, but we'll see. Yeah, I've been playing, uh, well, I actually finally finished off Horizon Zero Dawn uh, and its expansion, the uh, 
um, the Frozen Wilds was just I'm so happy I did, went back and finished that and now I'm really looking forward to Horizon Forbidden West now don't know when it's going to be released they say this year on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 we'll hold out hope for that but we'll see what it really happens Depends if it will be this year or not if it is this year I hope it's not rushed if it fits next year if they delay it to next year for quality control I really hope they do Simple as that. Um, that's a good story. I can't wait to see where they go with that. Like, just who would have known? Who would have thought Guerrilla Games could make such a thing? Going back from making Kill Zone to now making this amazing open world uh, adventure about a post-apocalyptic future, which is just a, like such an engaging story. Very, very good voice acting. Um, like just I can't complain about any of it I just love that game love it love it by the way Naughty Dog that's how you make a strong female character is the Horizon uh, Aloy and Horizon you don't throw all these stupid identity politics at her I mean she kind of has a lot she's an outsider and a female but like once it once she leaves the first area it's that's more of like an endearing feature about her versus a, oh, feel bad for her because of all this. She's more like, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's how I was. And she teaches people, like, be independent of stupid labels. Just be who you are. And that's why I like it. There's not, a, there's no real politics in that game. I mean, I guess the only politic is the character's female. But if that's a pol- political angle, people are really reaching. I think it's just good game. Good game, good character. Ashley Birch does such a great job of voicing her. It's just... I... And who would believe that she, that was Tiny Tina? <laughs> Ashley Birch as Tiny Tina would then go on to play Aloy. It's like, okay. <laughs> really funny, really funny. Really funny. Can't wait till the next one. And, uh, what else we got? Uh, playing some more Ghosts of Tsushima. Um slowly expand exploring the first uh, third of the island that I have unlocked. That's pretty much what I like doing is just running around, doing sh- uh, showdowns, stuff like that. I got a bit of the campaign, like a lot of the campaign to do, because I'm not even in the second section of the island yet. But it's been sort of a thing of like the slow burn of the game makes it more enjoyable versus like, oh, I got to beat, I got to beat. It's more like a nice, calm thing to go back to. It's like, oh, when I'm feeling it, I'll go back and play it. I've been playing like... Ghost Recon, Breakpoint, and Wildlands at the same time. Like, just do the daily challenges in Wildlands and Breakpoint. Now, the third uh, live event is happening next week. Sort of getting playing around in that, too. I have to admit, I really appreciate Breakpoints. Um, so there's there's two things I, I, I'm kind of like... Between those two games, I'm at this weird point of... I liked Wildlands where you get these daily challenges that can give you credits to unlock stuff in the store. But I do like, but I also like how in, in Breakpoint, if it's unlockable in single player, it's pretty much said it is. And it's just, you go and find it. It's not like, it's not like something that you have to do these, or you do a mission to get it. It's not like it's some thing of like, okay, you got to do this challenge, this challenge, this challenge, and you might get it in a loot box. I think that 
breakpoints monetization plan is a little bit better. I find it sort of scummy that for certain, like for clothes and stuff, for certain stuff, it's just completely locked behind a paywall. Like the Cry Generation 3, um, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, military, military shirt. You have to buy it. You can't, it's not a lockable in game as far as I can tell. Which is kind of sucky, but okay. Fair enough, I guess. I, I, eh. And I mean, it doesn't even show up in the in-game store. It just shows up in the cash store. So, fair play to them. Uh, it's less predatory than Breakpoint was. I mean, the Wildpoint, Wildlands was. The Wildlands, if you did the daily challenges, it didn't feel as uh, as a negative. You just keep doing the daily challenges and you keep getting points and you keep doing stuff and you keep buying crap. And it's like, you know, every five days you can buy... If you do all the challenges in five days, um, you can buy 10 prestige crates. You've unlocked eight more. So you have 18 prestigious crates in five days. Plus you get a spec ops crate. So, you know, it takes... But I mean, there is like... There's like a hundred items you can get in there. And granted, when you get stuff that you've had before, at least it gives you a little bit of currency for the cash store. Not much. I mean, it, it's there's no way you can... You'd have to do that so many times to get all the rares all the time. Um, all the extremely rare stuff to just get... Um, get it all the time to get anything worthy of... Uh, of, you know, being able to buy cash store stuff. So, I mean... I, I, I like it's annoying. It's not impossible, but it is annoying. So there's a little annoyance about that, but whatever. It's not like it's. Uh, I mean, it sucks that some of the guns are only behind paywall, and some of them are only in loot boxes. So you have to like just take your chance and try to get them. I wish it wasn't that way. Like there are some guns that I want. It's like, well, can't can you not just like, like okay, you've got. Multiple guns behind a paywall. They're like twelve bucks Canadian per gun. That's ridiculous. That pricing structure needs to be like way changed. Those guns should be like two dollars Canadian at max. Remember back in the old days. But then you got like what was it? Um, Valorant, where, where skins cost fifty bucks. Like oh my gosh. Uh, you can see they're slowly the gaming companies are slowly losing that front, and they need to be losing it more and more and more and more. And then let's go on to the tech corporations and their uh, censorship versus the free market, free speech uh, arguments. So this is pretty much brought on by what's happened with Parler, how Amazon. So first Google and um, Google in the Play Store and Apple in the App Store pulled the app, which is completely their, their thing to do. They can do that because you couldn't use the app, but you could still access it through the internet through Safari, Google Chrome, various other web browsers, you could still get to it. You just didn't get the app, okay. So that was, people are making a big fight about that. Like, that's that's way less. Amazon kicking them off. Well, Amazon does have the right to associate how they want, uh, what they want to do. I guess the, and I, I can agree with the criticism from Parler about, like, you took our stuff off. Twitter had just as bad, if not worse in some cases, content on their website that you are also hosting. And I can I can sort of see that as the Apple Apples if everything was fair and all things being equal, yeah, probably both should have been kicked off of Amazon servers. But who did the Amazon employees want kicked off? They wanted 
parlor kicked off. They didn't care about they didn't care about Twitter because Twitter's their bastion. So really, like, and this was brought on by um, Carl from Inrange TV talking about you want to create your own platform and it's the free market. It's like so first of all, you, like to actually successfully create a like a mega business on the internet, net that is impossible to cancel. You pretty much need a bank and a and a credit card processing company that everyone like you've got connections around the world that nobody disputes and nobody and everyone's happy to do business with. So you need those two things first, and then you need to um, have servers that you own or at least have a respectable control over that nobody else like you have more control over than other people do. So probably you're going to have to own that. And then you're going to need a content distribution and equalizing network like Cloudflare, CloudShield. So you're going to have to get those guys. You're going to have to have a version of that. And then you can finally have your uh, social media or your store. Store if it's considered the hot button issue of the day, like firearms and all this other stuff. And he, he's right. That's not a free market. Because of the amount of regulations and ridiculousness. So getting to the banking market is nowhere near a free market. It's it's really set up for if you're going to do national if, or at worst international banking. There are so many hoops to go through. It's just ridiculous. And your government has totally written the rules by asking the predominant banks in that market what rules should be there. So it was sort of like, like let's make the example of the Canadian government going to CIBC, uh, BMO, uh, Nova... Bank of Nova Scotia, um, RBC, and uh, TD, and even HSBC now, and saying, okay, so what do we do to make sure that the banks all follow our rules and that these are the regulations that a bank that wants to become national has to do? Because, of course, they're going to write in all the rules that basically they have no, there are no cost addition to them or minimal cost addition, but if anyone wanted to compete with them, are super expensive. So there's the loss of the free market in that case. Credit card agencies, probably very similar because you need the banks to agree with you. Plus, you need all these government monetization policies to completely side with you. So probably Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and, and to a lesser extent, Discover, but probably we're going to find out Discover is also in on this. They probably help write a lot of regulations for this. Just like how the tech giants, Facebook, YouTube, Google, um, Amazon, Twitter, they probably submit documentation of what regulations they think that needs to be in their market space. They're the ones who the government goes to say, hey, when we somebody else wants to join your sphere, what regulations should we have on them? It's kind of like, uh, I brought this story up earlier last year, uh, maybe even a few years before that, maybe even in season two, about how in um, Mississippi, if you want to start a moving company, all the existing moving companies need to agree, in the state need to agree that there is uh, they do not have the capacity combined to deal with the demand. Why would you, like, if you had that power, and it only takes one company to say, no, 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 I, I, there is not enough demand to meet the capacity my company has. Has We don't need a new competitor. So that way my prices can remain fixed. Like, yeah, who, who would sign off on that? When you go approach the industry and say, hey, what regulations do you want? The big guys are the ones who are going to say, well, this is what we want, we want, we, this is what we think everyone needs. And, of course, then it goes on to the whole pathway of, well, then the little guys look at that as like, so I, my venture capital firm has got about $5 million since it institute just half of those regulations is $20 million. I'm not even going to bother. 
or you're going to get them doing halfway and then it becomes they becomes pariahs in the market space. So yeah, is is competing against the big tech is it free market? No. Can it be free market? Yeah, if the government got out of the way and if the government stopped approaching the win- the guys who are in power right now, such as Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and saying, hey, what regulations should exist, if they started says, saying, you know what, some of your regulations are fr- that you've written for us is obviously anti-competitive. We're not going to deal with that anymore. No, they shouldn't need to do this. They shouldn't need to do this. They can learn on their own. We don't need to create all these laws and enforcements that if they fail one of them, it's millions and millions of dollars of fines. Organizers are going to say, well, we're going to throw that out. If they can compete with you, they're going to compete on a fair... We're going to try to give them as fair of a ground to compete as you as versus you from the mountain throwing down boulders at them saying this is in the shape of the government. But I agree with Carl's complete stance. I, when I was watching that video, I paused it a few times. I said, oh, I did some mental debating. But at the end, no, he comes to the exact same point of basically saying there is no free market here because powers that be have deemed it to be a free market. Now, it could be created a free market, but that's a lot of um, power you're going to have to take away. And I originally I thought when I was going to talk about nationalizing, and he says no, decentralizing. And I think that that is the absolute cure to all this. The internet needs to be decentralized. The very powerful Google, Amazon, YouTube, YouTube Twitter, Facebook, they need to find their market share of server space ridiculously cut imagine if amazon instead of being one third of all the cloud storage in the world turned out to be at max one hundredth of the cloud storage in the world they had no control over it and same with google facebook all these big guys who have all these big server farms so suddenly found out they weren't the players anymore they were just little tiny islands in a huge sea right now they're continents they're super states almost. Like they're they're not they're 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 super powerful NGOs practically, non government organizations that can get away with whatever they want. And if they had if they had militaries in their power with their financial capabilities, that would be quite dangerous. And I mean, from the libertarian perspective, it's not a problem for these companies to be so big. The problem is, is that the government has created barriers to make sure competitors could compete with them on the same level. So that's that's where I'm taking from the uh, the big tech thing. It's not censorship until government tells them to do it. So I'm, I'm in this weird space. However, we are seeing Democratic governor, Democratic people in the United States, not governors, Democratic congressmen and potentially senators saying, Google, Amazon, you need to censor these people because of what they say I disagree with. Not that it's seditious and wrong, by the way, if they bring back uh, sedition-related charges to these people. That's a very dangerous step to go into. Which uh, we should look at later with proper lawyer information when it comes out. So I'm not gonna step on that lamb. It's dangerous, but not. I don't know how dangerous it is or how non-dangerous. So I'm gonna leave that to the law- legal experts. But from all that, when we've seen this, this craziness of the expansion of the tech state, how they want to pretty much lead their own way, and it seems like we don't uh, we don't appreciate that. We all look at uh, we all look at the ability of like Amazon next day delivery. We all look at like how Google's so great at figuring out figuring out what we're gonna do. I mean, if Google was doing what Alibaba was doing, which they definitely have probably better machine learning, like how Alibaba got five hundred thousand customer orders before Christmas, like guessed ahead of time and right. 
once they know you, they know you. So, of course, now people are trying to decentralize in various ways, get to new platforms. And what we saw was Elon Musk talk about Signal, the, um, the of course, the encrypted, uh, the encrypted messaging app for phones and the Internet. And because of that, because of the influx of people from Elon Musk, Signal's been just, like, overwhelmed, and they, they have a suit outage. I don't know if it's a, it's a full outage as it as it is right now. I know yesterday it was pretty much down, and they were still working on it, and I haven't heard if they've gotten it back under control. I mean, this is the thing of, like, we have somebody who finds a solution. Shinsu, like, hey, you don't want your messages to be opened up by the government or, like, you know, viewable or recorded by various other ways. Other ways, here you go. Here's a system that does it. But... I think the thing is, is it's not that the systems exist. It's the danger of how how two or three people say one thing. Like, Elon Musk says, you signal. And that's this massive influx of people versus... Like, what happens if... if like, signal's very good because it's made by the guys who originally made WhatsApp and then sold it and said, we want something a little more, like, less controlled right now, more locked down by, by like, it's not going to be influenced by a bigger party. So I respect them for that. But then they come around and you get like one or two people. And this is sort of the thing of not fake news, but fake information and how it can be damaging. Imagine it, like, because when Elon said that, then these people invested in a signal um, company that isn't like a privately traded company that's not even related to Signal the app. And it's never been a profitable company. And now it's like stock is really high and it's going to crash. And a lot of people are, have bought stock and I've just lost money on it now. It's it's this dangerous thing of people where, like, people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, thankfully but Jeff Bezos doesn't seem to ever do this on his Twitter account or messaging systems, um, where you get these uh, attitudes from people who say something, and then it becomes immediately, oh my gosh, we have to, th-. like, hundreds of thousands of people just jump on things immediately. They don't even research, they don't sit around think. It's... They take cues from one person, and that's just as dangerous as what's going on in the world. That shows the Donald Trump, like, the fear that happened with Donald Trump, Elon Musk seems to have. And it's through no fault of his own. He's not this, he doesn't portray himself as this uh, brilliant savior of the world. He sometimes does, but he doesn't do it often. He hasn't created his, this perfect persona about it. He does these press events for technological developments where he he sells things like like the hyperloop and like the um the underground tunnel that he's building and all this other stuff that seems absolutely great except that the more people look at it it's like okay so besides some spacex and if and like your other tech developments uh tesla you seem to be overextending yourself and now we know tesla is like 1690 years away from making profit based like to pay off how much its stock is owed so there's there's ridiculous stuff about that. So I think Elon's this great visionary, but people seem to jump on it. And and remember, this has happened before. Now I'll say this. This about Elon, Elon Musk and the Hyperloop is he's mostly stepped back from it. He sold the idea very quickly once I think he realized, oh, I, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work the way I thought it was. Give it to some other billionaires, and they're going to be figure it out. And of course, the other billionaires are now 
just wasting their time on it. We'll see what absolutely happens. But like the Virgin Hyperloop is, I don't think it's going to work. And of course, these billionaires, they're not looking to actually make something work. They're looking to build something amazing with taxpayer like subsidies and stuff like that, which is why they're building a test track in Georgia for some reason, which is one of the least ideal places in the world to build it. And you just, you see like they built, they say, well, these things are going to work great. And then it's just many, 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 many years. And it's just continuous. Like they make these things up. Like I believe it's going to be great. You hear that. And then like 10 years later, it's still, still like, Oh, we're still working. It's like, well, you're eight years behind schedule and we've seen nothing. And it's been like actual scientists like Thunderfoot, Phil Mason, who has studied this stuff is like, well, there's, too many variables here to safely control and deploy. Like, why don't you just fly an airplane? We know it works. <laughs> you're like, oh, but you're not a visionary. It's like, well, the visionary is to make a better system, but also understand reality. <laughs> the one who doesn't understand reality becomes the dreamer then. And I know I'm going off with a little rant on this, but it's just something I, I've just been thinking about. But imagine, like... If Jeff Bezos came out today and or something or you know Bill Gates, interesting enough that Bill Gates might be one of the largest private land owners for farming in the United States now. Just read that, <laughs> but yeah, going to going back to the Elon Musk thing versus Donald Trump, it's like I can understand where Twitter thought, oh let's let's suspend let's ban Donald Trump from tweeting because of look at how people are. All you need to look at to prove that there is a population that just jumps on things very quickly is Elon Signal no, um, thing. The stock market buy of that company that makes Signal, uh, which is not related to the app, and then the app being overwhelmed and flooded. And I bet most of these people had no idea. what. Like They just were like... He made that comment because WhatsApp's now going to share some data with Facebook. But it, it always becomes a thing of... And this is where I, I understand like people who... Um, Linus and Luke on uh, the WAN show this week talked about why they, why uh, they're not going to dump WhatsApp completely, but they're going to be a little cautious because Facebook has lied before and they have a history of saying one thing and then going a few steps beyond and then saying after the fact, oh, we're sorry, but this was more logical for us than what we said to you about. And so they said all this with WhatsApp about what's it going to do now that's being integrated and it's only a small portion it's mostly looks like it's just going to be businesses you're affiliating with if you're doing it individual it's still end-to-end secured unless you opt into something that allows it not to be which as far as we can tell almost nobody does anyway but it only but they're in the door they said oh businesses what happens if they think like well maybe organizations that aren't businesses or maybe groups should be uh, a little different it becomes this thing where the encryption system, once somebody pretends they have the key, or they say, well, this is one case where it used to be end-to-end, -end, but now we thought, well, maybe it shouldn't be because it's easier for us to share information with our advertisers, and then it slowly just, it's the domino fall thing. It's like, it's like how all this started with a kid falling in a gorilla cage in 2015. Anyway, so let's, let's uh, clean it up there. Let's end today. Let's end this episode of Rotten Apples and Sour Grapes. Oh, it is January 16th. Thank you for listening. This was Stories from the Crisp Drawer. Bye.